Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello, everyone. We are back with another episode of Crypto Sapiens. Today, we are talking with John Pollard and Joshua Lapidus, founder of Opolis and executive community steward of Opolis, respectively. We discuss Opolis, the digital employment cooperative, starting with its inspiration and founding back in 2017. We explore democratized employment and the need for turnkey solutions to support Web3 natives and contributors. John is also the founder of ETH Denver, so we also touched on the largest and longest-running ETH event in the world and its intersection with Opolis. Let's get started. My name is John Paller. I'm the founder and executive steward of Opolis. Um, I'm also um, the founder and executive steward of East Denver, which is coming up next month. So um, I've been around the crypto space quite a long time. Um, feels like uh, a lifetime in some ways. Um, I've been working in this space full time since 2016. Uh, in a previous life, um, I built a big staffing company in the state of Colorado. I've been involved in HR tech for over a dozen years, built a few startups. And I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. So um, my passions lie in employment in HR tech, um, employment ecosystems. I um, uttered the words democratized employment for the first time in 2008. So like a long time ago, didn't really have a clue what the hell that meant at the time. Um, It sort of was the beginning. It was sort of a marker I put down and just sort of the beginning of a journey. Um, The journey has been... pretty crazy um, up to this point. So lots of learnings, I guess you could say, the first you know half dozen to eight years, and then sort of getting calibrated and settled into like understanding what we need to build in the form of Opolis. Um, so um, you know, just as a quick introduction, Opolis is a um, the, the the long view vision of Opolis is a public utility infrastructure for employment on a global basis. And right now we are sort of in our earlier stages of what we call a digital employment cooperative or an employment DAO. Uh, given this is a DAO-friendly community, it's, you know, employment DAO is a little bit more accessible. But essentially what we do is we offer uh, individual uh, DAO contributors, digital workers, independent workers, whatever you want to call yourself, digital nomads. Um, the ability to tether into a traditional employment system without actually giving up their independence. And the features that come along with that are pretty rich. You know, group healthcare, long-term short-term disability, workers' comp, unemployment insurance, like the whole nine yards. So replicating the employment down to the T, um, again, without individuals having to give up their independence. So they're not being subjugated by any entity or anything. It's a member-owned community, so just like any other DAO, um, it's it's operated and owned by by its members. Awesome. 
Um, great. I think that's a wonderful introduction to yourself and then leading into Opolis, which we'll pick up after uh, Joshua, uh, an introduction to yourself as well. Cool. Uh, thanks, Humpty. Um, I came into Web3, uh, I guess, kind of the, the similar, a way similar to most. Um, I was on Coinbase just buying Bitcoin and ETH because a friend told me to. Um, and I was I was working full time at Lyft doing driver growth, uh, user acquisition, and a little bit of competitive intelligence. Um, and I met uh, Jacob Cantelli from uh, at Consensus, and he was like, "Hey, you should you should come work at Consensus." So I ended up at Consensus. Uh, they went through one of their typical hired too many people. And now we have to fire more. Uh, the great calling, as it's called now, from February 2020. Um, so got called. Uh, went to East Denver to find a, to find a job. Uh, and and uh, try to avoid consensus Cobra, which was like twenty five hundred dollars a month. Uh, and everyone there was like, "Have you have you talked to Opolis? Have you have you met the Opolis booth? You should go talk to the Opolis booth." Um, so I went and talked to the Opolis booth, and uh, the rest is history. I'm a, a a steward of of Opolis and a steward of East Denver. It's been a it's been a wild journey. Oh, that's cool. So I I like how. There's kind of a synergy here, I think, and it's gonna. Uh, I think it's gonna happen throughout the conversation in terms of Opolis and Denver. Uh, but I also like, <clears throat> excuse me, the idea of uh, John, you uh, having you know started having this discussion in terms of decentralized employment back in 2018, uh, and slowly kind of developing that into a project that we now know as Opolis, uh, and then through that uh, finding uh, Joshua, you finding your way into the project through kind of a little bit of both, right? Going to East Denver, uh, you know, checking out projects there, seeing what opportunities there were, and Opolis popped into your radar. Um, so I guess maybe now is a good time to, aside from that general introduction to Opolis that uh, John, you so eloquently shared with us, you know, what is that like vision, that overarching mission of Opolis in terms of, you know, where it started and maybe give us a little bit of a how is how has it evolved as DAOs have become so prevalent? I guess uh, last year in 2021. Yeah. So, you know, as every great idea, um, it starts with an idea. Democratized employment was the original idea, but then, like, even a few of my early startups were sort of aimed at that, but then didn't really. Uh, well, for one reason or another, they weren't scalable. Game designs were poor, incentive alignment was was not durable. You know, the, there are a lot of game theory problems that exist in existing models when it comes to creating mutualistic outcomes. So, um, you know, there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of um, idealism that can exist in Web two, but like when you really look at the game designs, they're not a lot. They're not designed to create you know synergistic outcomes. You know, reciprocity is not really a part of the game. So, um, in 2017, um, the project started around um, really what I refer to as the market layer. So we had this project uh, product called um, a Smart Op or a Smart Opportunity that basically was like um, it's like a F, like a smart contract escrow wallet that basically would curate um, like an open job position. So, like think about it like a job board, smart job board. And, um, you know, the idea was to create incentives for anyone and everyone to be, uh, you know, participating in networking themselves and their friends to opportunities. 
Well, the long story short on that is it just, you know, the way that incentives work and the way that ownership exists and in the existing sort of recruiting world is, is pretty degenerate. And it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. It's designed around third-party intermediaries. So if you're going to build smart contract solutions that really just, you know, democratize, you know, the third-party intermediary world, like, are you really solving anything? I don't know. It, it, you're you're kind of catering to the wrong customer. So we we pretty quickly realized that in, as we were mapping the the supply chain or the life cycle of of recruitment, we we sort of came to the conclusion that like, look, you know, the real problem here is this you know paternalistic hierarchical employment relationship that people have with their their companies. So the companies that they work for. Notice I use a very common word, right? I work for this company, right? You don't ever say I work with this company. You say I work for. And so we picked up on a lot of this stuff and we started unpacking it and, and really sort of considering the game design and input output and incentive alignment and like what what are people really doing here? And you know, our conclusion was that like, look, if we're really gonna get to a web three future to really democratize the relationship of employment. It's a legal compliance thing. It's, it's not a technology problem. It's a social relationship problem, which is architected by regulatory requirements. And I mean, that's a really, really crazy conclusion to come to because, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, um, it's not something people think about. It's like you just kind of do it, right? Well, I got to go get a job out of college or I got out of high school or whatever. And then, you know, it, it's just conditioned in us to, to kind of assume that that's what you do, right? But it's, but it's just conditioning. It's not necessarily what you have to do. And, you know, we're saying, well, okay, well, how do we, how do we get people a better pathway so that they can actually align their efforts and creativity with work that's meaningful to them, not just work that's convenient to them, but like make work that's interesting to them convenient, right? So that's where we decided to kind of come down the supply chain to uh, the employment layer, the compliance layer, and build what is now Opolis as the employment commons so it's a, a decentralized employment organization or a deo as we coined it back in 2018 and you know the deo in employment co-op what an employment DAO, whatever you want to call it doesn't really matter um is squarely framed around giving individuals the ability to have the compliance tools and shared services that they need features and benefits that they need to, to function in a commercial setting. But again, without this sort of odd paternalistic relationship that they usually have with a corporation who might provide those things to them. So in other words, you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have all the features and benefits and simplicity and automation that you're looking for in, in sort of taking the leap into Web3 or even just any sort of independent work. It doesn't have to be just Web3 work, but Anybody working independently will tell you that it basically takes a master's degree to figure out like 
how you deal with all this stuff from accounting to compliance to filings to taxes to healthcare benefits to retirement plans, all this other stuff. Like how many people on, on the call here know what a 941 is? Nobody knows what that is. Like I don't. Yeah, and most, most people don't. And, and if you do know what it is, then then like I tell you that you have too much free time on your hands or you've spent a lot of time in the HR, HR space. So, or compliance space. So the, the point being is like most people are something other than some administrator for their business. They're a creative, they're a developer, they're a um, attorney, they're a whatever, right? But they're not experts in this area, nor should it be a requirement that you are in order to participate. Seems like sort of an unfair requirement to just, you know, if I want to choose to be independent, all of a sudden I've got to be really smart and really educated on things that aren't my core competence. And so Opolis is there to fill that void so that, you know, really there's an unabated path to Web3 because the future of work isn't going to be corporate subjugation. And I use these words very intentionally. So if anybody's like, that seems really harsh, is it? Corporate subjugation is what we do. I mean, we are high paid mercenaries in a commercial setting. It's just different kind of warfare. It's, It's commercial... Uh, capitalistic warfare it's competitive games right but it's we're not we're not trying to kill anybody necessarily but um it's it, you know the highest bidder gets my time and attention right i mean what is the definition of a mercenary so i'm not saying any of this to judge anyone i'm saying this to to, to lament that like we can do better and we can provide systems that actually give people the ability to work in a more egalitarian, free way, right? Where choice is core. Because I think that's, I think that's really what you know. One of the hallmarks about crypto that I love is, is crypto is about creating choice. You know, it's not about you know telling you that there's one way to do it. It's, it's about choice, it's about opportunity. It's about creating systems that I get to opt into, that I'm not that I'm forced to use, right? So Opolis is just a good example of one of those, but it's also at the benefit of those that build it, right? So it's a member-owned community. So the bigger it gets and the more powerful it gets, the more benefit there is to the members. It's not enriching anyone else except the people that are using it and the people that are building it. Yeah. You know, one of the things you mentioned, which, um, you know, I kind of keyed into just because I think it's uh, aligned to my own personal mission in this space, and that is accessibility, right? Um, I think in terms of just crypto, in general, I think that while, yes, there's tremendous opportunity, uh, a lot of it is very inaccessible, um, starting from, you know, uh, non-custodial ownership of your assets, right? I mean, it's it's very difficult for someone with no knowledge of that to get started. But, uh, you know, once, once you've, I guess, educated yourself enough to understand how that works and fallen down that rabbit hole, then you kind of start exploring the ecosystem and you discover what DAOs are. I think to your point in terms of, you know, people understanding what it means to, you know, earn an income from uh, these decentralized organizations and then being able to uh, be responsible, right, in terms of uh, organizing all that information, uh, preparing it for, you know, doing their taxes at the end of the year. Like, this may be very new and scary to people. And so making it inaccessible to people. So it's really interesting to see that there are tools like Opolis that are being created to kind of facilitate uh, some of that, right? To remove some of that, like you said, which isn't someone's core competency. So they can do what they they prefer to do, which is doing the work, right? Doing 
Correct. If you look at the HR tech space, you'll notice that there's a gazillion startups, like literally, it's a big number. So I'm using that that number sort of like intentionally gazillion. There's there's just a there's just so many you probably even couldn't count them all. You know, most of them, you know, when they consider their revenue models, they almost always default to corporations as their target audience. And mostly that's because unit cost economics make more sense to sell to corporations who have a larger user base. It's much more difficult to scale a product to you know regular folks, right? So you get regular folks, you got to scale one-to-one. And if you go to consumer, or that's consumer route, if you go to uh, corporations, you can get 50 people at a time or 200 people at a time. The most, most sophisticated HR tools are squarely aimed at where the money is, and that's with corporations. So money, money and unit cost economics of a cost acquisition of a, of a user. So this has very little to do with anything around benevolence or like purpose or like creating better systems or helping people. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with survival. How do these companies grow? Even companies that start somewhat, you know, with their talking points being very benevolent and they want to help people and they're really helping people find work or whatever, they always figure, they always find their way back talking to corporations. And a lot of it turns into talent acquisition, right? So it turns into tools and marketplaces to to find talent. And the people paying to operate the system are always the companies. The candidate or the talent never pay. So if you're not paying, guess what you are? You're the product. Welcome to the show, folks. So most HR tech is designed for corporations to continue to subjugate and control talent. I mean, for Christ's sake, we call it human capital. Could you get less human than that? Okay. It's, the whole thing has become MBA eyes. Okay. So I say that with love, but I mean it that like we can do better. So like decentralizing systems sometimes just isn't about tech. Sometimes it's about legal relationships and it's about frameworks. And so we had to take into consideration the whole recipe of how you create a legal decentralized legal relationship in combination with decentralized technology, decentralized tool sets like cryptocurrencies or whatever it might be to build this ecosystem. So it's it's a very complicated thing. And most people sitting outside, like you said, like, like they're not experts in this stuff. It's terrifying. Can be scary. No, it is scary. Like the the first time you take the leap into working independently, you're gonna do one of two things. Either you're gonna bite your fingernails off because you're terrified, or you're just gonna YOLO and yeet in. And YOLOing and yeeting in is probably the best way to do it, but it comes with a lot of risk. I mean, if you ever get an audit or something like that, it could be really bad for you. So what Office is designing to do is making it so you don't have to do either one of those. You can just exit stage left and just plug into a compliance system and a platform that's member-owned, member-controlled, and, and sustainably benevolent toward its members. And then you can basically just you know, work from where with whom and how much you choose. Do it on your terms. Choice. Right? We're giving you employment choice. You want to work with 10 DAOs? Cool. Do that. 
You want to work with one now? Fine, do that. You want to be a real estate agent? Do that. You want to be a Twitch, Twitch streamer or a YouTuber? Fine, do all of that. You do you, and Opolis is entirely agnostic to what you do, who you work with, from where, and how much. There are exceptions to that given some of the risk that we have to take around employment. For example, unfortunately, we are unable to accept members right now who are nuclear waste truck drivers as an example, okay? Like there's certain high-risk jobs that we can't do yet for compliance reasons, risk reasons. But I'm being, I'm being a little dramatic with that. But the point is, is like for the most part and even into the future, you can be and do whatever you want. Yeah. So one of the things you've mentioned um, that I maybe want to circle back to, which I thought was very interesting, is in terms of these HR tech uh, companies and them serving these uh, corporations, right? Um, and then what these decentralized employment technology companies like Opolis uh, are aiming to do, right? Where their position is to serve individuals, really to empower them, right? Um, I guess maybe I wanted to explore that a little bit more in terms of, I guess, how you feel, or I guess one of the reasons why you think that that's been the case for any period of time in terms of like these uh, more uh, like HR tech companies serving more of the global clients or excuse me, the corporation clients and how we can start to scale up, I guess, and increase the visibility and empower these projects that are serving individuals instead, and maybe what some of the challenges are there. Um, and But definitely, I think the opportunity is, is probably one of the more easiest to see there. But yeah, what are some of those challenges there in terms of building a company? Well, benevolence always goes out the door in HR tech because they serve HR people, executives, and corporations, and not the ultimately, they don't serve the individual workers. They just don't. Um, how many times have you worked for a corporation where they actually ask you about what features and benefits you want for your, for your uh, employment benefits? And very few even ask. And then of the things that you get, like, do they really care? You know, the, the, softwares that they, the softwares that they bring in, are they designed to, like, empower you or are they designed to kind of manage you? So, you know, it all both, you know, there's an old saying in game theory, um, follow the money. Okay, so where's the money? The money is with the corporations. You know, it's been tried over the years. There was um, um, an ecosystem called the Ladders at one point, which was aimed at high-earning individuals over 100K, right? So you had to make over 100K. And, and they charged people over 100K to be on this job board. And at one point, they opened the gates. They needed to scale, right? Because, like, you know, there's only a certain amount of those people around. And so they started letting everybody come in. And it just ruined their differentiation. And nobody was interested in paying for this service, right? Like, why would I want to pay for this? Like, what do you mean pay for this? It's kind of like, can you imagine Facebook saying, like, hey, it's 20 bucks a month now? They would lose. 80% of their user base like overnight because the way that they've built these products is it's freemium or free and no one wants to pay for it. So there's a, there's a social conditioning that exists in these types of software businesses that like everybody knows what, what the game is. And if you're going to charge me for it, I just don't want to participate. So even, even if it's a benevolent thing, they don't want to, they don't want to deal with it. So what we, believe about this is and how do we get the word out 
as the crypto community, we have to be sensitive to this, that it's very difficult to scale a B2C product like what Opolis is building, for example. Any of these things that we think are cool are 100% dependent on network effect kicking in. If we as communities do not support these tools and these communities, these you know, become communities of communities, if we don't do that, then we are signing our own death wish. And here's why. The new IP is community. Bankless DAO is powerful because of its community. Nothing to do with Ryan and David. I mean, yeah, of course, they, they helped build it and, and all that. Just as East Denver has nothing to do with me. Yes, I helped build it. Yes, I steward it. But it's not about me. Communities are about community. So if we don't, for example, a lot of people in the early days of Opolis were like, well, it's a business outsourcing service and like it's a service, right? Like I need to subscribe to this. And then they're treating it like a Web2 company. It's like, no, you need to, to sign up and then bring your friends. Because the only way that we have the cost economics to scale this thing is to activate that network effect. And that only happens through us bringing our friends, telling everybody that we know about this wonderful, benevolent, next-generation tool that's going to usher in the future of work. Otherwise, we're going to stand around and go, well, well, why didn't that work? We only have ourselves to blame. That's the beauty of permissionlessness. Usually, we're waiting around for other people to do it because centralized people are doing it for us, marketing departments and sales groups and all this kind of stuff. But that's, that's old school. The next generation of, of networks, of communities, and notice I'm not saying companies. I'm doing that very intentionally. It's because it has nothing to do with those centralized forces. It has to do with what do we want to build? And if you're a member of Opolis, the first thing you should be doing to protect your own stake in the game is bringing a dozen of your own friends and telling them how wonderful this, this is. How many, pe- how many people have friends that are procuring health insurance from the state exchange and paying a lot for very little coverage? How many people have other friends that are independent that are what we call unprofessionalized? They don't have an entity. They don't have health care. They're just kind of YOLO. Everybody's got these friends. I think that's actually, I, I, I'm just going to add this here because I think it, it, it's just a question to expand on that right there. Uh, in terms of, you mentioned something earlier in terms of legal relationships. Um, I think you're right to your point, what you're making right now is there are a lot of people who are here because they do see the writing on the wall. They want to be a part of this emerging future. Uh, but, you know, many of us, we have never worked in this way before, like not not just in a decentralized way, but you know, independently, probably. And so, to you know, to to what you're saying now is there's a ton that needs to be understood in terms of what that means in, uh, with independent work, right? To be an independent contractor, right, and to protect oneself. We, we call it the self sovereign worker. Yeah, but yeah no, go ahead. But, but the one thing I see a lot in the space, going back to your point in terms of how many startups are popping up every day. There are a lot of these DAOs that are spitting up. And yeah, I think a lot of the work that they aim to do is fantastic. And obviously, I think the kind of startup culture is, you know, what's that saying? I think it's Reed Hoffman who said, you know, jump out the plane and build a parachute on the way down. You know, you kind of figure it out as you go. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> there isn't a that. lot of framework, governance, uh, legal uh, protections offered to, to, to members. I think for for 
anyone, I think, who is interested in participating in this space, it's important to understand that, yes, we're early. Yes, we need to build in production, right? But at the same time, we need to demand these type of protections, these type of frameworks that allow us to do the work in a compliant way, right? So please continue. I just wanted to add to that because I think you've mentioned it once before already. Absolutely. So look, I'm all for let's let's be bankless, right? Like, but you know, there are there are things that'll get you thrown in jail that you you know, then you're not going to be in good shape. Okay. And you can, you know, flip as many birds as you want at them and say, you, you know, all right, you know, you know, you know, remember the Alamo as you go down in flames, right? Like, I mean, you can do, you can do whatever you want. Okay. But like, my belief is that to usher in and really create mass adoption. I mean, most, let's be honest, most people don't care about Bitcoin. Most people will never care about Ethereum. Most people don't care about you know layer two and zk snarks and nfts and all this stuff like we have to create paths for these things to become mainstream we have to make it cheaper better and faster that's how you win the hearts of the masses and if you do they care about and look at data right like why do people still use these platforms that are exploiting your data well it's because it's convenient it's entertaining and they don't really care they don't see the direct impact so like yeah the Opolis is a, the bridge between Web 2 and Web 3. We're two things. We're the great legitimizer of those working ethereally or independently. And then secondly, we're creating a giant ramp and a giant bridge for those that, the next million people or 10 million people that want to come in. And we're, we're creating the systems that help people comply with the things they need to comply with, which most people don't even know, and have the tools that they need at their disposal, simplify their lives, automate a bunch of things, and then basically give them the legitimacy to be doing what they're doing. For example, if somebody pays you in crypto, the organization might have its own compliance issues, but we're not concerned about that. Okay, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about DAO compliance. I'm not here to talk about individuals because really individ, the DAOs are made up of individuals. So if individuals are paying the taxes, how do you go after a DAO? Good luck. Okay, have fun with that. What jurisdiction are they in? Da, 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 da. What kind of entity? Well, who are the citizens? Who are the people? They don't even know. It's a really tough nut to crack, but they do know who you are. And if, they, if they're going to come attack DAOs, guess what they're going to do? They're going to come attack the individuals. So what we're doing is creating systems and the tool sets so that people can actually keep, quote, their nose clean. So if anybody does, if, if any alphabet soups come sniffing around and stuff, it's all copacetic. I paid my taxes. I got my stuff in line. I'm doing the thing. And they go, huh, cool. How do they fight that? Ah, they can come up with some boogeyman narrative if they want. If they really want to attack it, they will. But the point is, is we're trying to say, look, we're trying to play your game. We're doing our thing. We're checking all the boxes. And ultimately, we're going to show you a better way. We're going to show by example. And then when, you know, when it does hit mainstream, it just becomes mainstream. You know, at some point, you know, if Opus has 50,000 or 100,000 members, what are they going to do? Shut it down? Yeah, right. They're not going to mess with the livelihoods of all those people. I really don't think they would do that. The, the backlash of that would be just too great. And they, they don't have anything to say that we're not doing. If anything, 
we make it more likely that people are paying their taxes. Yeah, it's setting that foundation for oneself, right? Uh, just like anything else where you you have the right footing uh, to kind of, um, you know, to explore and, and wander this ecosystem in a compliant way. So I'm curious, um, we have Joshua here, obviously, who's, um, I believe, if not one of the first, or if not the first, one of the first people to have been onboarded to Opolis. I would love to hear your personal experience as you joined uh, Opolis and, you know, kind of what you use from that personal experience when you are, you know, acting as an ambassador, maybe helping onboard other people onto the platform. Sure. Um, I think I... I don't know if I, I wasn't the first because uh, there was a product that preceded the employment comments, but I, I have invoice number one, which um, if I ever get around to creating the, the PO apps for, for the invoices and stuff, that'll be a, a nice PO app number one. Um, but yeah, uh, when, you, when you fill a role that's sales, and we don't really even treat membership like sales because... You either Opolis works for you or it doesn't. There's not really a, a sale. It's it's complicated, and I, we have to explain like this is what the product is, and people immediately either they get it, they're like, oh, this is for me, or it's not. There's not really selling. Um, but when when I have these conversations, it's it's much easier having been through the process myself. So it's not like trying to sell a Porsche I've never owned. It's you can do the exact same thing that I did to become compliant and avoid paying through the nose for Cobra, getting access to affordable benefits, getting paid out in crypto, or taking die that I earn for contributing to uh, Dow House or Raid Guild, uh, and being able to just drop it right into the, into the processor without having to go through a centralized exchange. I've, I've been through it. I've done it. Um, I, I, not the the John Haller phrase of been through the valley of death. They've been through the shadow of the valley of death. It's not quite that that grim, but uh, been there, done there, got a t-shirt. Uh, and I'm writing, I'm writing a song about it right now. <laughs> there you go. So <clears throat> let's, let's maybe circle this back to one of the things that we said right at the top in terms of Opolis having a booth at East Denver. Uh, Joshua, your first experience being at East Denver. What is Opolis's, uh, I guess, planned experiences for this upcoming East Denver? Because it, like you said, it's coming right around the corner. Opolis is a presenting sponsor for East Denver this year. And uh, well, we have been every year um, since we've done this. But, um, you know, we're very big supporters of the Sporked Out community. The Sporked Out community is now community-owned, just like Opolis community-owned. Um, not something that Opolis owns. Um, at one point it was um, for transparency, but uh, that was just to kind of get it started and to kind of stand it up. It's kind of expensive and hard to ensure uh, an event uh, without any sort of operating history. So now that we've actually got operating history and event history and all of that, then we're, we're, we're now community owned. We did that back in June where we spun out with the sport token and did the sport token, sport Day launch, Really cool stuff. So a lot of developments there. But in terms of Opolis, we are um, the, the main name of the game right now in to continue to add features and benefits and tools to the commons uh, members. Um, it's really about scaling. So um, we've got some uh, referral activations. We've got some member incentives. We've got some other things that's going to go on. Um, you know, we will have a booth in the shill zone and we will also be doing a 
um, side event leading up to ETH Denver called uh, How to Make the Leap to Web3. So um, there'll be a, a lot of tutorial stuff like this educational gap where it's like, I don't even know the things I need to do. Like, we'll go through those things. We've simplified it and distilled it so it's very consumable. And, and yeah, we want you to join up and bring your friends. So like, we're creating a bunch of incentives around that. There will be PoApps. There will be NFTs. There will be swag. We are famous for our soft t-shirts that are very wearable and very functional. Um, so we will have the new edition of the work token t-shirts that are beautiful. I actually got the, um, uh, the sample sent to my home before they were the pre-production samples. And I, I'm wearing them like as alpha leaks, but we'll be giving those out. And so there's going to be a ton to do now. Uh, for a lot of people who are sort of at the beginning of their journey, I would suggest come to the side event that we're doing lead up, leading up to this. Learn about like what are the things you need to know. And then, you know, just start joining the community. If you're not ready to join as a, a full-blown employee member, you can join as a coalition member. We have uh, the coalition for the self-sovereign worker that we've built where you can become a member and, you know, refer people or participate in other ways. And then just you know, learn, meet people, ask around, you know, see what's kind of going on. I mean, don't feel any pressure. There's no sales process for joining Opolis. I mean, there is a, a member onboarding process and there's some learnings that you got to do, but most of it's checking boxes and doing compliance stuff. Um, we don't, we don't have, there's nothing to sell you. The idea of what we're doing is already squarely in the sights of most people participating in Web3. So Bankless says, go Bankless. You know, tongue in cheek, we say go jobless because really working for yourself, being a self-sovereign worker isn't a job. It's not, to, it's not to mean be unemployed. It's to mean just like go bankless doesn't mean, you know, be poor. It means, you know, we're unplugging from the matrix, so to speak. The bankless, the bankless community is doing it uh, in terms of financial institutions and we're doing it in terms of corporate subjugation. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, that's a wonderful call to action. So for anybody listening to this, um, I think that's, that's a wonderful explanation of, you know, some of the, uh, I guess, uh, alignment synergy with some of the other decentralized ecosystems and how they're building out and how they're calling their communities to action. You mentioned one thing that I don't think we covered during our discussion. You said the, the new work token, um, can you, can you describe that a bit for us in terms of what is it? How does it work? How does it integrate to the ecosystem? Yeah, so if you haven't heard of the, about um, uh, the use of cooperatives in the land of DAOs, you're going to hear about it a lot. Um, we, um, from a legal perspective, have a legal wrapper of an LCA, it's a limited cooperative association. So in co-ops, there's this concept called patronage. Patronage is the mechanism that cooperatives use to distribute profits back to the members if and when there is a profit. So, for example, REI is an equipment co-op, right, for outdoor equipment. If you buy a bunch of skis and camping equipment, at the end of the year, they're going to send you a patronage check. It's a, a, a profit sharing, right, for your contribution uh, to, to creating that value. The same is true. We just use the work token for... Um, the unit of account to just determine how much of the profits you get. Now, the key is here, the token itself has no intrinsic value. It's, it's a unit of account that only members, um, only as a member, right? So you have to be a member of the community to do it. 
And it's in a legal sense. You have to be a member of the community, not just a, a centralized transaction or some sort of, you know, I eat in and do whatever on a DAO. I mean, we're actually, again, we're bridging the two worlds. Now, the membership requirements are very low. It's $20 to join, which is basically checking a compliance box. And um, from there, there's very limited you know, uh, activity restrictions that you have to have in order to be a member. So as a coalition member, you just refer people. As an employee member, you're just running your payroll and consuming your health benefits. So it's you know, pretty low maintenance in terms of like what you need to do. And um, the work token exists to um, not just distribute the, 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 the bounty should there become a harvest, but also um, you can earn more through a process called payroll mining. So what we did was we created a, um, a scaling game that basically incentivizes our membership to refer their friends and to consume more payroll services. So as we hit different growth epochs, in the ecosystem, there is an emission of tokens that comes to the community that basically rewards those who help build it. So we again, we call this payroll mining. So it's it's kind of like liquidity mining, but instead of being time-based or something like that, it's growth-based. So we've created a game design that, again, aligns the selfish individual incentives with that of the community. So everybody wants growth. So I want my friends to come too, because it's also non-competitive. If I bring 20 of my friends, it doesn't compete with anything I'm getting. It doesn't take away from me. It actually just reinforces the strength of the community and makes it stronger and stronger and more valuable. If you look at the way centralized payroll companies are valued, it's all based on payroll volume. So we've basically stolen some of the core metrics that are used in those kinds of corporations, and we've applied them to creating incentive for our community to help scale and grow the commons and reward them with tokens to do it. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you'd like to learn more about Opolis, please go to opolis.co and on Twitter at Opolis. To learn about ETH Denver and its lineup of speakers and events starting next week, please go to ethdenver.com. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. Please give us a follow, like, and a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And stay tuned for our next discussion.